peel back a layer and get vulnerable with yourself to think about what it is that really sets something on fire for you or something that you've been trying to avoid. Take a moment to be vulnerable and then go out and share that vulnerability with the world. And that is the challenge of this episode. How can you be more vulnerable to create the world that you want to live in? Hi, my name is Wendy Yates, and today I get to speak with Quinn Fitzgerald. Quinn is an entrepreneur, advocate, and co-founder of Flare, launched in and named a Time Best Invention of 2020, an incredible achievement. The company was created from a passion for innovation, breaking down stereotypes, and her personal experience with assault. Quinn is a driven innovator who dedicates every day to changing the script on safety because she knows that her own story is not at all unique, and that is a huge problem. Welcome, Quinn. Thank you so much for being on the Design Driven Life, and I'd love to dive right in and ask you just to share a little bit about who you are and where you're from and where you're going. Well, First of all, Wendy, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I really love the philosophy that you have behind not just the podcast, but your approach to the work that you do. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, and it took me a long time to be able to say that because I heard the word entrepreneur and entrepreneurship, and it sounded super fancy, and it felt like you had to be a really successful, really driven, really fill in the blank aspirational thing to describe yourself as an entrepreneur. And then I came up with this idea with my co-founder, this idea that really hit home to our own personal experiences around safety and creating more optionality and tools for people to get out of situations earlier in the moment, not just the like emergency stranger danger situations, because let's face it, the vast majority of safety situations are actually these like weird gray zones where you don't know somebody's intent or you got a feeling in the pit of your stomach. And it glommed onto that idea and it was so tied to who I am as a survivor, but to what I've studied in, in violence and conflict resolution um, that I really couldn't put it down. And I decided I didn't want to just have an idea. I wanted to act on it. And so I started a startup when I was in business school where I met my co-founder and I had this like epiphany, maybe a couple months into it, where I realized that what being an entrepreneur is, is not a profession, but a way of approaching life and a way of approaching problems where you see something and you say, that can be done better. Not only can it be done better and I have an idea for how it can be done better, but I'm going to actually try to do that myself and take action on it. And then I realized that I had actually been an entrepreneur my whole entire life, that the way that I approached problems was really what made me an entrepreneur and not what my job title was. So I think fundamentally that I'm an entrepreneur, not because that's what my job is, not because I'm a founder of a business, but because that's what I choose to do and choose to approach life with. I love that. I think that's a really good um, explanation for the word entrepreneur. I personally, myself also for years did not consider myself an entrepreneur, even though I would start businesses here and there. Um, 
it just wasn't a word I grew up with. And it wasn't even a word. I mean, for my generation, that was, yeah, you went to business school if you were going to, you know, build a giant corporation, but the word entrepreneur in general kind of came um, into my life later. And it is hard to, um, it is hard. I think society for American society, anyway, that says, yeah, you have to look a certain way. You have to know a certain amount of information. You have to be from a certain place. You have to have these certain resources. And it's just not true. Um, you know, it is a mindset. It is, um, a problem solving opportunity searching, uh, mindset that I think is at the heart of being an entrepreneur. And so your company that you founded, um, is known as get flair, getflare.com is the site. And I found it super fascinating, a time best innovation of 2020. And you've kind of already set us up for um, the company that you created being around safety. So I'd love for you to continue building on that and share exactly what is Flare. I'm one of the founders of a company called Flare. Um, it's getflare.com. And as you've mentioned, we were really fortunate and lucky to be named a time best invention of 2020. And that's really a testament to all of the people who have shared their stories with us. Flare is a company that creates safety solutions. So our first product is a bracelet. It comes in a lot of different styles. Um, so you can fit it with a lot of different outfits. And it has technology inside of it that connects to a mobile app that allows you to have confidence and control and not have to worry when you're in a situation that you didn't anticipate being in. You can press a hidden button that's on a piece of technology kind of hidden underneath the curvature of the bracelet. So the bracelet actually looks like jewelry, it's super discreet, so that nobody has to know that you feel uncomfortable or that you're wearing it. And you can press the button in a couple of different ways. You can press it once and you get a phone call. And there's a recorded voice on the other end that has a conversation with you. It sounds like a real person saying, hey, I need you to come home right now. Or where are you for this meeting? It's your excuse to leave a meeting when you're just not sure what the other person's intent are. You get a weird vibe and you just need a way out. You don't want to feel trapped and wait and stick around and see if your gut feeling was right. Or you can press and hold the button and send your location to up to five contacts, asking them to check in on you. You can also enable your location to get sent to 911 as well. What a, uh, that is, you know, a deserving of its award and what a great invention. And um, I, I looked at the bracelet and it is quite lovely. It's just seen as a piece of jewelry instead of a piece of technology, which I think is really um, a, a really brilliant innovation, but also, you know, super practical. And so in creating Flare and coming, what was, what was sort of, what was the idea that sparked a bracelet. Um, and, and how did you come to, you know, that kind of unique conclusion of incorporating technology with something um, that's, you know, usually seen as uh, a decorative accessory? So the creation and design of the product was really driven by our own personal experiences and the fact that our experiences are not at all unique. And that is a huge problem. My co-founder and I are both survivors of assault, and uh, we wanted to create the tool that we wish we had had at that time, and something that didn't fall into this stereotypical assumptions that the frankly male-dominated safety industry has been playing into for 
if not decades, centuries. Um, and we think it's about damn time that we use modern technology to create a tool that's actually useful to solve a really big problem that a lot of people experience on a regular basis. So my co-founder and I were really driven by our own experiences and by talking to others. And then we looked at what safety existed, safety products existed on the market and saw things like whistles and pepper sprays that make you feel uncomfortable and often do more harm than good. And we knew that safety is deeply personal. You know, Wendy, if you and I are in the same situation, you might have a different feeling or a different need or want something different to happen at a different time in that exact same situation than I do. And all of the solutions that existed on the market gave you one option and one option only to take action. And usually it involved escalating the situation, blowing up your spot, often jeopardizing not just your reputation, but your safety even more. And so we wanted to create something that at its very foremost gave people optionality so that they could decide what was right for them in that moment. It's like, in a way, a version of consent where you have a choice in what happens next and you have control. And for us, safety isn't just about avoiding these bad situations and getting out. It's about having the confidence and the comfort and the control to bring your full self to every situation that you go to. To know that if you want to speak up, you can because you have a backup plan, a backup plan in case that backfires, right? We hear so many times over and over again that people don't say something or they don't go to an event or they don't react in a certain way because they're worried about what consequences that would have for them. And we wanted to give them a tool that they could use to avoid those consequences and take this situation back into their own hands. Yeah, it's really, really innovative. And it's kind of surprising that, um, as you said, there really wasn't anything on the market with um, the statistics that I think you guys share on your website something about um, every 73 seconds. Is that is that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, someone is sexually assaulted in the, in the U.S. Um, and if and and this is a product that we can that you can get into the hands of people in the U.S. And then there's countries around the world that have even you know what I mean such a higher level of sexual assault and human trafficking. And I mean we have that in the U.S. of course, but um, I think this is an incredible technology that can really grow into so many other opportunities for a life-saving technology or, you know, safety awareness technology, you know, from, from all different levels, um, that it, that it exists. So, um, bravo to you guys and to this product. And so, I mean, just super innovative. So, you know, I think what we in really interesting too, is this is such a, um, incredibly important topic, but also in your as it's female founders and creating something to help females that, that didn't exist in the market, you know, by typically in the historically, probably, you know, before recent times, most big corporations were founded by men and most products are founded by men that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That we come to know today, you know, in getting a product like this going, what were some of the initial steps as an entrepreneur that you, that you took? I think that'd be very useful to women out there looking to solve other problems that women are facing um, and incorporating technology into those solutions. Yeah. One of the really challenging things about starting your own company is that you're constantly balancing working 
in the business versus working on the business. And what I mean by that is working in the business means how do you keep it running on a day-to-day level? You know, are you incorporated? Are you responding to customers? Do you have a website? Do you have all the things that are set up that you just need to keep going? And by working on the business, what I mean is, do you have a vision for what it can accomplish? And how are you getting to that vision? How are you keeping that big picture in mind, pushing that agenda forward and keeping your eye on what holistically you're creating? And that is a dichotomy that you're constantly making trade-offs on, on how to prioritize your time and do. And I remember early on when we set out, we were thinking a lot on the working on the business side, like what exactly are we trying to create here? And feeling so daunted by that. And then my like typical, you know, type A self got a lot of um, satisfaction from creating a list of things and tasks to do to work in the business and accomplishing them. And so whenever I was overwhelmed by working on the business, I would turn back to that list to work in the business and use that as a way of proving to myself that we were actually making progress and that we could take things step by step. And so for us, one of the reasons why we felt like the safety industry had gotten it so wrong for so long is that they made a bunch of assumptions about how people actually experience safety. And we didn't want to make that same mistake. We didn't want to say, okay, these were our situations. Now we're going to apply that to everybody else. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we started by turning to our customer first. We went out and interviewed and did focus groups and surveys with literally thousands of people. And it took us a really long time. And then we started making prototypes and drawings that we could show them in those focus groups to get feedback on. And what that process enabled us to do was come up with a deep understanding of how the problem was actually experienced so that the solutions we made could really be applied to it. So to answer your question about, you know, what is practically, like, how do you start a business? I would say, first and foremost, it's understanding the problem and the need that you're trying to solve, and then doing the work to really challenge the assumptions that you're making. And you can do some very practical things, right? So once you do all that information gathering, you can create some summaries for that, some key takeaways that inform what the product looks like. And then you make a version of the product, like you could literally make it out of pipe cleaners, which as an entrepreneur, I also learned are called chenille stems. (laughs) Who knew? Um, (laughs) But like literally we... 3D printed plastic jewelry and then got silver and gold spray paint and spray painted them and then found these engineers to dedicate four hours a week in their spare time to helping us make a minimum viable product. And then we had people wear these plastic, really bulky things for a week and they actually used them and they got value from them. And we were like, okay, we're onto something here. If people will wear this giant bulky plastic thing on their wrist to help with their safety, then they will definitely wear something that actually looks like jewelry. So we broke up our product development into realistic steps that we could take over time to get more proof and more evidence that we should take the next step and in which direction we should take the next step. And then we t- 
took the insights that we got from our customer interviews and helped them shape that product. And we constantly tested those iterations with them to really make sure that we were going in the right direction. And the product changed drastically. The very nascency, we were thinking like, what if we put an alarm in this? And then we learned that like, that's not useful at all. Nobody's gonna actually let off a loud alarm. What they need is something that looks like they didn't pull the trigger themselves, right? It seems almost haphazard and random. Oops, somebody's calling me. I gotta go, I gotta do this, right? And then the last thing I would say is, we really thought about what risks we were taking because as any business goes, there's so much to do. You can't prove everything at once. And so we thought about what risks were there. Um, like there's some technology risks. What, could we create an app where you didn't have to keep it open all the time? That was a question that we really wanted to solve and we did, right? Or, you know, is this what style would people wear? Um, should it be a bracelet or a necklace or something else? Um, and so we thought about all of our risks and we created a met like a matrix for them. And we graded them on like, you know, where they make or break for the business. Like, did we have to solve this and we can't go forward? Or was that something that we could figure out over time as we learn more information? And then we graded them also on how easy they were to solve. Like, could we come up with a solution that would solve it? And then we compared those and we prioritized tackling those questions one by one. And it gave us a way of um, putting a hierarchy to how we used our time. And then what it also did was when it came time to fundraise, it showed people that we were very intentional in how we were operating the business, but also that we had a plan because investors' jobs are to ask you questions and to pick holes at things. And that's fine, but any startup has a lot of holes, right? It's like yep. one of those, it's a strainer. There's no way to make it a, a solid bowl. It's 100% a strainer. And so what you need are these like one line quick responses where you can say, yeah, I know that's a hole, but I have a plan for how we're going to solve it. We just, we didn't prioritize that yet, right? And so by making this matrix, you could really figure out where your holes are and then have a plan for how to tackle them in the future. Um, and to be frank with you, if we're continuing on this metaphor of a strainer, as soon as you pull like one hole, more holes will open up. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> like said, like a true entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, um, that was a, that was a really great, um, really great um, share on how you got started. And I'm curious, I, you know, you talk about uh, as a survivor, this company is obviously very personal and mission driven for you. Um, what, what is the mission and vision long-term or short-term for Flare beyond the technology of the bracelet? Like, what would be your uh, dream come true um, sort of end game for Flare? I mean, you have decades ahead of you, of course, but um, yeah. some that come to mind, you know, I'm sure it's going to ever evolve as, as we evolve and as entrepreneurs and change and grow and want to help more and more people all the time and, you know, incorporate more and more initiatives. Um, as of today, from a founder perspective, what would you see as sort of your current most desirable goals to achieve for the company? So for me and for my co-founder, Sarah, the answer to that question is incredibly simple. And it's not something that you hear a lot of business leaders say, but our goal is to put ourselves out of business. The fact that this product needs to exist 
is a huge injustice. And we will be the first people to tell anyone that creating a personal safety device and a tool is one part of a solution. It is not the solution to solving safety. And there are a million people who have been doing this work for centuries before us. And we really wanna be a part of becoming a part of that last cohort, of creating a world where this kind of product doesn't need to exist. Incredible, beautiful, I love it, well said. Um, You um, are super authentic. I think that um, I couldn't um, be more grateful for your time today. And I know this was kind of a short conversation, um, but it's meant to get people interested so that we can continue to find out more and be a platform to help you with your Force for Good initiatives. And um, I would just love to close with any other thoughts or things that you feel in your gut right now um, that you would want to share with Um, maybe it's somebody who, um, has been a victim. Maybe it's somebody who is, um, looking to create something that also, um, changes safety for people, or maybe it's just something that you're feeling right now in this moment and a mindset that's helping you, um, move through, um, the pieces of your life and, and the, not just in this journey, but, um, as a whole person. And I'd love for you to just share some, some final thoughts, um, that, that speak to you and feel relevant. Yeah. So in doing our deep customer research and in the conversations that I've had with countless people about how they experience safety. We've learned that no two situations are ever exactly the same, but a lot of people get stuck in this same rhetoric. And there's this universal feeling of having how you identify and who you are be forced to change on you in a single moment. And it took me years to acknowledge the fact that I was a survivor because it felt so foreign and so challenging that a single moment and a single action of somebody else could force me to identify and become something different. And that's been something that I've been grappling with for a very long time. Recently, I learned from a friend that she likes to set intentions and goals for herself every year. And she sets three and they give her a way of focusing on something for her own growth. And I tend to hold myself accountable, like too accountable. I have way too many goals that I want to achieve and I just set myself up for disappointment. And so what I really loved about her way of approaching it was that she gave herself a whole entire year to work on these things. And so recently I've adopted a similar approach where I set literally one word or phrase as my intention or my focus for the year. And I give myself plenty of time to know that I can work on it and I don't measure it. I'm not going to sit here and say, I did like this many things different this year because of it. But it's something that grounds me that I know that I'm progressing without making me feel like I can never achieve something. And this year, this is I'm ending in a moment of my own vulnerability. (laughs) This year, my 
my goal and my attention is around this notion of self-worth. As an entrepreneur, you put so much of yourself into your business. And especially for me as a mission-driven business, it was started from this very vulnerable moment in my life. Um, then it's really hard for me to separate the business from who I am. And so I am always, you know, working with lots of different people. I have customers who have needs. I have my team who have needs. I have investors who have needs. And so what I'm working on is self-worth. How do I get the satisfaction and the happiness with myself to be comfortable in my own skin and acknowledging the fact that I have this history of having my self-worth changed on me by somebody else? How do I like come back to home and find that for myself? Incredible. Thank you for being so vulnerable and for sharing that message and your um, incorporation of that practice of a word for the year. Um, I do a word for the year as well. And I think self-worth is one that can always um, be added to any other word and is so relevant and so important. And I think it will just mean so much to for others to hear um, that vulnerability. I think that's one of the things that for me over the last, whatever, 15 years of um, being an entrepreneur and growing and building, one of the things that I felt is I got really disconnected um, and that was part of not wanting to be vulnerable and not wanting to share that. So I think it just is a lot about you and your authentic mission to be able to share that vulnerability and inspire so many other people to realize that it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be who you are and that you are enough um, and that no one can take that from you. And so thank you so much. Um, that's a beautiful message. And I wish you um, so much incredible um just joy on your journey for, um, your year of self-worth. Um, you are definitely, um, more than enough and you're changing the world in incredible ways. And I look forward to seeing what flair does in the future and what you as an individual and you and your partner do. So thank you for your time today and have an incredible rest of your afternoon. Thank you, Wendy. I really appreciate you making this space for me to share. Um, I look forward to, you know, working with you guys on promoting it. All right. Have a great day. Bye. You can find out more about Flair at getflair.com. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of The Design Driven Life, where you get to create the world that you want to live in. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate and review our podcast. And don't forget to subscribe for automatic delivery of new episodes. I am thoroughly loving our platform for our podcast, Budsprout. So if you are considering, and you should, starting a podcast, it's so fun. It's a great way to connect with people. It's not hard when you have the right partners. If you're looking for a place to host your own podcast, join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out to the world. Start for free and receive a $20 Amazon gift card when you sign up.